You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And actually, it is bonus scoop time, which means that we are going to get all of the details and the uh, the juicy stuff and much more from our guy, Doogie, from, of course, Channel 5 Eyewitness News and Score North Scoop fame. Check out his Scoop podcast. Declan Goff, executive producer. I am Judd Zolgad. And Doogie, let's start with the Vikings. Um, as far as things go, I want to start with one player who right now has as many penalties as targeted passes. <laughs> Chris Herndon, who cost this franchise, Dukes, a fourth-round pick. And we are led to believe by the GM of the Vikings, Rick Spielman, that draft picks are collateral that cannot be just simply replaced. So fourth-round picks are incredibly valuable. Uh, after Irv Smith Jr. got hurt, Spielman starts to shop around for a tight end and lands on Chris Herndon of the Jets, sends them a fourth-round pick. He also gets a sixth back. And and after Herndon took two very key penalties on Sunday against Detroit, he now has as many penalties as targets, I believe, on the season. And my question is this. We'll start you off with this one. Is this the best that Rick Spielman could do? Well, he certainly aimed higher, Judd. Jeremy Fowler, somebody we both know well, former Vikings beat reporter, and now he works for ESPN. He hopped in this morning with news that the Vikings did reach out to Philadelphia soon after the Irv Smith Jr. injury. Not about Zach Ertz, but about Dallas Goddard. Where I can tell you that it makes a ton of sense pre-draft, I mean, really not that long ago, pre-draft, the Vikings did all sorts of work on Goddard. My intel, Judd, is they were pre-draft Huge fans of Dallas Goddard. You look at his production so far in Philadelphia. I think the player they thought he'd be, he has turned out to be that player and probably more. Philadelphia, for whatever reason, multiple reasons, decided to not engage the Vikings in that back and forth. Undoubtedly, Chris Herndon has been a disaster. He really has. I would call Arizona. I would beg Arizona after Max Williams goes down just gruesome season-ending knee injury. I feel horrible for the Waconia native. Thankfully, he got paid. He got a nice contract good. from Arizona last year. But I good. still feel horrible. I mean, he looked so good against the Vikings. He looked good in the win in Los Angeles a couple weeks ago against the Rams. Like, I just I feel horrible. Former second-round pick. Like, Max Williams has so much untapped potential. We were starting to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, it took a few years. We were starting to see it. And now he suffers this gruesome injury. If I'm Rick Spielman, I'm being aggressive. I am reaching out to Arizona saying, okay, does Chris Herndon interest you at all? I get it. I'm not recouping a fourth. But more than likely, you're going to continue to be really good. You'll be picking late in the fifth round. Give us a fifth round pick or come up with some sort of happy medium. Maybe Arizona feels like, hey, the change of scenery to Minnesota, 
for, you know, uh, different reasons. Just it hasn't worked out. But there's enough talent there. We will unearth that talent. So if I'm the Vikings, I'm just telling you my opinion. There's no sourcing behind this. But I would reach out to Arizona with the trade deadline approaching on November 2nd. Uh, yeah, I would say seventh round pick. I, like he's done nothing. Fine. Get something. I would just yeah. take a draft. I would take any yeah, draft Yeah, free up pick. the roster spot. Exactly yeah. right. It, it's been that that move has been a mess. And, and that's the weird thing about that trade, the trade for the kicker, the kid from Baltimore for a fifth round pick uh, a few years ago. Because Rick always talks about these draft picks. Like, you know, the, we, you can't just give these picks up and I love these picks and blah, blah, blah. And then you just sort of make these trades and they're like, this guy stinks. Um, what do your uh, spies tell you, Dukes? Because it came extremely close to happening. If the Vikings had lost on Sunday and they were 37 seconds away from a loss to the woeful Detroit Lions, what do your spies tell you about what might have uh, transpired with the head coach before the bye, or, or I should say during the bye, which uh, the Vikings will now play Carolina on Sunday? have an off week, and then begin a very difficult stretch of games coming out of that. I feel pretty confident that the Wilfs at least would have kicked around the idea of making Andre Patterson the interim head coach. Not that they lost to Detroit. It would have been more about how they lost, right? And so, I mean, just the juiciness, right? The irony of a kicker in, in many ways. Yep. saving Mike Zimmer, right? Like, think about that storyline. But I can't sit here definitively 100% Judd and tell you that if the Vikings had lost on Sunday, if Greg Joseph doesn't make the 54-yard field goal, that they end up losing that game, that today, Tuesday morning, the 12th of October, that we would for sure be talking about Andre Patterson as the interim head coach. It's possible that Mike Zimmer still would have survived for at least a little bit longer, maybe you ride it through this week, make the change during the bye week. But mm-hmm. like, I just don't know how you would have recovered from losing to the woeful Lions, who were down so many guys. Like, that's where it's interesting to me, Judd, that that I think Zimmer is is willing to die on this hill of we're a good team. Now, if it's one or the other, if it's if it's good or bad, I'm not sure they're a bad team. But it's hard to look at them and say, yeah, that's a good team. Like, Detroit's offensive line got pretty good push down Frank Ragnow, the Twin Cities native, Chanhassen High School, who the Vikings, by the way, loved pre-draft. He's a good they player. They loved Dallas Goddard. They loved Frank Ragnow. I was at Frank Ragnow's house the night of the draft, trust me, with some people in Ragnow's camp there. There was a, a ton at his house that night. There was a ton of Vikings buzz, but Detroit, you know, jumped the gun a little bit, at least in the Vikings' minds, taking him like a pick 20. That was the draft where the Vikings ultimately landed Mike Hughes in the first round. But trust me, if Frank Ragnall was on the board, the Vikings were going to take him. Mm -hmm. So Frank Ragnall out Sunday, Taylor Decker out Sunday, Panay Sewell playing hurt, Mm -hmm. yet that Lions offensive line – created run opportunities for Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. You think about Sunday, Christian McCaffrey, you know, signs point to him probably playing, maybe not at 100%, then coming out of that, playing Ezekiel Elliott after the bye. 
Like there's just there's no proof that this Vikings run defense can stop even adequate run offenses, let alone really good elite run offenses. They may find a path to seven or eight victories. In fact, I think they for sure go over seven. You know, so I think they can get to eight. Heck, maybe even if a few things go right, they get to nine. But I'm telling you, Judd, and I've made this point a bunch, but let me reiterate it because I get that the audience is ever-changing. The internal expectations going back to the summer, way higher than most of us. And I had the Vikings pinned at, at 10 victories preseason. Now, if I could go back, I don't think they'd get to 10. But I thought this roster was good enough to win 10 games, even with a really challenging schedule. My sense is internally, not universal, but enough people, including those way, way up, really felt like they had assembled a roster that could make a deep run in January that they felt like was the best in the NFC North. Now, some of that might have been, you know, the drama in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers not quite knowing how how that would would unfold. But they just they felt like they had the best roster in the division. And they still get the Packers twice. I get it. You know, they could make a run at the division title. But at this point, even with all those injuries, those key injuries in Green Bay, I think you would say that the Packers are the overwhelming favorite to win the division. I don't know what exactly. This is extremely hard to quantify. And I don't know, like, I can't can't just say this with certainty. But it started in training camp. And at that point in time, it was fairly easy to point your finger at and say, this is the problem. But it still feels like with this team, Doogie, something is off. It still feels like something's not quite right. And I don't know if that's Mike being more, he seems more cantankerous, um, not necessarily towards his players, but just in general. Um, There's something that doesn't feel right and I'm going to give you one thing that I think and and like this is a very like behind the scenes thing and and I'm sure that that there's a portion of the people who are listening or watching this uh who are going to be like oh come on Judd you are making things up but well let me stop you there though Judd let me remind people this is not me you know uh separating my shoulder patting you on the back it's if that's even possible I think people need to remember that you've covered the Vikings for multiple decades. You were in the belly of the beast on a daily basis as the beat reporter for the Minneapolis Star Tribune for multiple years. Mm -hmm. You have unbelievable contacts. I know you bring me into this segment for scoops. Truthfully, you probably end up with more NFL scoops, specifically Viking scoops, than I do. The audience should know that oftentimes you'll text me on something, then maybe I run with it after I check on it. Maybe you don't have the time to check on it. I do. We get to the bottom of it together collectively. But oftentimes you don't even want the credit. But I just I want to remind the audience that, trust me, when you say something like that, my tentacles, you know, go up. I appreciate that, Doogie. My figurative tentacles go up because you have your finger on the pulse of that franchise more than a lot of people. You look at the people that now – are the you know quote unquote beat reporters? A lot of them haven't been around the franchise for very long. You have been, so I take your word oftentimes as gospel. Well, thank you. And this comes more as a as an observation, though. Um, it feels like part of the problem might be this: Mike doesn't have his guy in place, and by guy, 
Gary Kubiak was Mike's guy. Um, Mike ordinary, Mike loves, he's an old salty football coach and he loves to have a guy to sit down and have a cup of coffee with, or a glass of wine with, and they talk football and it's old school stuff. He does not want some punk who's 30 saying, Mike, can I be your guy? Um, they, they had their, their, their what the assistant offensive or the op- offensive line coach Dennison had to, has had to be, I think, um, zooming in. Because he didn't get the COVID. Yeah, he he's shot. still involved. He's just right, not but he's in the not, building. But he's not in Correct. the building. Yeah, he Gary, can't sit down and have that glass of wine with Zim. Gary Kubiak retired, and now Clint is there, and I believe he's about what thirty-four. My point is, Mike seems like he's missing his guy, and I don't don't know if Patterson is that guy or not. But that's where he seems he seems more disgruntled now, and like that's not a good starting point, I don't think, for Mike. Well, he does have Paul Gunther there. That is one of his guys, but I think there's something to be said about not having a guy on the offensive side that of might the be ball. It. Yeah, that's good Yeah, point. and I mean, undoubtedly, like, he misses – yeah. Him and Gary had a really strong bond. Mm-hmm. Now, is it exactly that? I don't know. You might need to sell me a little bit more on exactly that. I do think there's something to be said about, you know, you saying that, that something is off. I just don't know if it's if it's quite – that it might not be yeah something feels off yeah i don't i don't necessarily disagree with something being off i will say like i think they can win sunday you know maybe it's recency bias after watching philadelphia go down to charlotte and win and just thinking even if mccaffrey plays he's not 100 percent. don't know on shaq thompson jc horn for sure out they make the trade for gilmore but he's still on on injured reserve, so he can't come off. He won't be playing on Sunday. Their offensive line has been a mess. Moten moved from right tackle to left tackle. Cam Irving has been hurt. He didn't play last Sunday. I don't have an injury update on Cam Irving. If he goes back in at left tackle, Moten goes back to right tackle. But they have been a little bit of a mess. Even the win in in Houston wasn't wasn't super, super impressive. But maybe for Carolina, it's still a leap forward. A win is a win. You don't need to apologize for that. But just watching that Thursday night game, they didn't blow me away. And then I DVR'd uh, the Philadelphia game on Sunday, watched back some of it. They they don't look all that impressive. That's a game the Vikings can win. So if you get yep. to three and three, yep. maybe internally Zim can sell that in some sort of way, hype his team up for that Sunday night game on Halloween against the Cowboys. That's Although I think Dallas is a bad stretch. matchup for the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, I just do. I mean, I think just Elliott and I think that speed on on Dallas's defense. Trayvon Diggs, have you seen? Now, I get it. Like, pro football focus isn't the final word. But have you seen, like, if you look at the the highest-ranked cornerbacks, Trayvon Diggs is right at the top of the list. Jalen Johnson of Chicago is right at the top of the list. It came down. My understanding is it came down to Jalen Johnson and Jeff Gladney. And they went Gladney, which even at the time, like this was a first guess. Jalen Johnson is two and a half years younger than Gladney. If they were close in your mind, why wouldn't you take the player? Now, there were some medical red flags with Johnson coming off of surgery. But if it was close, because they did consider Jalen Johnson, so it's not like he was off their board. If it was close, why would you take the guy that is two and a half years older? And by the way, Trayvon Diggs, maybe it was the Diggs name after they had just traded his brother. 
Maybe yep. it was something else, but Trayvon Diggs was never in the mix in the late thirties. You know, when they ended up taking Gladney, I, I'm, I'm told, and, and Christian Fulton's even been good for the Tennessee Titans. He's another guy they did a lot of homework on, but he wasn't in the mix either. My understanding is it came down to Gladney and Johnson. Interesting. Go for football. What's up there? Yeah, well, uh, the first outlet on three sports. They have a pretty good following on Twitter. They were the first to report this morning that Curtis Dunlap Jr., offensive lineman, IMG Academy guard, is now in the transfer portal. He was in the portal previously, got talked out of it, came back. He had played, but he was more like their sixth offensive lineman. You know, not one of their main five. They had rotated some guys. But when you think about from left to right, Schluter, you know, at guards, Andrews and Olsen, Schmitz at center, then Falele at right tackle. Those were the main five. But you think about the offensive line for next year, 2022. Now, they have some guys, some young guys that they're developing. But, you know, my sense is Curtis Dunlap Jr. was going to be counted on heavily next year, like, Falele should be a top 75 pick. If he's smart, he goes to the NFL draft. All right. Then you've got all these redshirt seniors. All those guys I just mentioned, Schluter, Andres, Olsen, Schmitz. Those are all, those are all redshirt seniors. Like it's time for them to move on. So when you think about the offensive line for next year, I don't think this is a significant blow this year, you know, barring some sort of catastrophic injury. And and we certainly have seen those with the team. So one of those guards goes down, Andrews or Olsen, yeah, they'll, they'll miss uh, Dunlap Jr., but they're going to miss him even more next year. But to me, once you have your your foot halfway out the door like he did in the summer, mm-hmm. and he's talked, you know, into staying, mm-hmm. you know, just oftentimes it just it, it turns it turns sour. So I guess I'm not overly surprised. He also missed all of last year, you know, so he was good. In 2019, you think about that prolific Gophers offense in 2019, Curtis Dunlap Jr., you know, starter on the offensive line, had something to do with that. But mm-hmm. then he missed all of last year with an injury, enters the portal, is talked out of transferring, comes back. Now he's back in the portal. Who knows? Maybe they'll try to talk him out again. But I just think when a guy has his foot halfway out the door, it's usually a, a bad sign. And it's almost inevitable that it's going to go south. And in this case, you know, now he's back in the portal. Why leave right now? That's weird. I agree. I mean, it's one thing to to enter the portal after the season. Why enter now? I don't have a, a great answer for you there, Judd. Okay. Uh, to me, I mean, it almost looks like he's quitting on the team. I mean, I don't know how else to frame it, right? When you're leaving because you can't middle leave of the season, play, right? Correct. Correct. So to me, it looks like he's outright quitting. It's interesting. Uh, Trey, I mean, I'm sure he'll put something on social media at some point. You know, maybe yeah. he'll be able to explain it. I'd love to talk to him because I, I hate leveling that sort of accusation on anyone because that to me is a very heavy word. Mm-hmm. But from afar, admittedly, mm-hmm. from afar, uh, I've not texted with anybody yet this morning on on this front. I will, unfortunately, it, it'll be after I I exit this conversation. I'll try to get to the bottom of it. But I'm just telling you, from afar, the appearance to me is he is quitting on his teammates. Trey Potts back home and. Yeah, well, it's great that he's back home, right? I mean, first and foremost, right, yeah. you know, he has his health. Uh, he's not going to die. Right. Uh, but it was a, a very dire situation uh, for a while. Uh, I'm not ready to say that it's a career-ending injury. Let's see where he's at in about 
two and a half to three months, then we'll have a better understanding of of if there is a football future, but certainly done for for this season. But thankfully, you know, he'll he'll be okay. There's there's no signs of you know of him, you know, having to re-enter the hospital anytime soon. Good. You know, of him, you know, potentially, you know, God forbid, you know, losing his life, anything like that. So the good news is he has his health. So who is now the most likely candidate to step up with Mo out, Potts out? And so now you're basically to the third guy on the depth chart. Who is that going to be? I know there's options, but what's your best guess? Well, they have the true freshman, you know, Bucky Irving, Kai Thomas. Don't call I mean, him Bucky. Don't call him Bucky. PJ, don't yeah, like Well, that's right. Bucko. Bucko. He changed his He's nickname. Bucko. Yeah. 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 You can't PJ be Bucky here in Minnesota. You're right. He was Bucky. I'm Hawkeye Judd. A, a How's it ago. going? Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, don't forget about Bryce Williams, like the forgotten man, Bryce Williams. What happened to ran him? Ran for, for over 100 yards a couple games at least, right? Like going back to 2018, Bryce Williams, it feels like, has been here forever and he's been buried, but he's fully capable of of helping the running game. So I would like to think, you know, that it'll be a three-headed monster. Cam Wiley. You know, he's only had about two or three carries so far through the five games. So it's hard for me to look at Cam Wiley and say the coaching staff has a lot of confidence in him. But, you know, I think it's Irving. I think it's Thomas. And I'd like to think that Bryce Williams, you know, being the, the senior member of, of that group will, will also get an opportunity. But those would be the names I'd keep an eye on. Nebraska, um, which for what, the last, is it four years now or so? Three years has just been bad. Um looks to be far more competitive now. How much of a test is this potentially going to be on, on Saturday at um, Huntington Bank Stadium? Well, I mean, the Vegas odds makers, you know, look at it as pretty much a toss-up. You know, what's the latest spread? Nebraska minus two, two and a half, three. Now, if you factor in the, the three points for, for home field, maybe mm. on a neutral field, they'd look at Nebraska as a six, six and a half point favorite. But Nebraska is favored. I would take the Gophers. I just would. I mean, Their PJ quarterback's Fleck, not good, man. Yeah. Owns, owns Frost. Yeah. I, I would. It's hard for me to bet against the Gophers against Nebraska at home. I mean, the Gophers went down to Lincoln last year, down a bunch of guys coming off, you know, that COVID break. I mean, that's one of the more impressive wins in the PJ Fleck era. He would tell you that most fans would say, well, no, it's the Penn state game in 19. It's, it's the Auburn, Auburn bowl victory. It's it's getting the axe back. And yeah, but Fleck would also remind you, because it's forgotten, that that win last year in Lincoln down all those guys is yep. right at the top of, of his most you know memorable slash impressive wins as Gophers coach. But they beat Nebraska here in 19. They beat Nebraska here in 17. I just saw that that Nebraska's left tackle is all dinged up, or at least a guy that's that's been taking some snaps at left tackle, and yeah, I still think, you know, that quarterback, like of the two, and it's not like, you know, Tanner Morgan, you know, I'm all in right now on him. I, I've let you know that, that I'm a big Zach Anikstead fan, that, that I just think he can wing the ball better, but the Gophers, you know, feel like, hey, you know, he might turn the ball over a little bit more than Tanner Morgan, but I'm a big Zach Anikstead fan, and he beat out Morgan a few years ago. Let's not forget about that, but of the two, Morgan and Martinez, I trust Morgan more. And with the game, as you mentioned, at Huntington Bank Stadium, yeah. I lean Gophers. It's not like I feel, you know, super strong about that pick, 
But yeah, I mean, I told you a few weeks ago, I really liked the Gophers in West Lafayette. Turned out to be right. Trust me, I'm wrong plenty, but I'll remind you when I'm right. I do feel pretty good about the Gophers this Saturday. The Wolves are unbeatable in exhibition games, Doogie. <laughs> That's what I have surmised. You cannot beat this team. If you take them on anywhere, anytime in the preseason, they're going to kick your ass. Well, if the goal is to get to 110-0, and 0, you need to win your first three, right? So if you're going to go unbeaten in the preseason, go 82-0, and 0, and then run all the way through the postseason, I think it's 110 games. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, I mean, the Clippers were down how many starters last night? Paul George didn't play. Reggie Jackson didn't play. Serge Ibaka didn't play. Morris Sr. didn't play. But, yeah, I mean, they rebounded the ball well. I mean, that was one thing I was going to keep an eye on last night. They rebounded well. And to the Wolves' credit, I mean, Josh Okoge, minor injury. Jordan McLaughlin, minor injury. They are pretty darn healthy. And I still contend if they can maintain health, you know, Phoenix – and yeah, Chris Paul put them over the top, but Phoenix, a big part of Phoenix making the run they did last year was they were as healthy as any team in the league. If the Wolves can find a way to get Edwards on the court for over 75 games, Cat over 75, Russell over 75, right. I think they are one of those top 10 teams. I think they are a playing team minimum. Um, final scoops. Where would you like to go, Judd? I mean, hey, you, it's you NHL opening night. night. You yeah, got the bag of Yeah, so Santa I mean, there's Claus no, out. Yeah, there's no Jack Eichel buzz. Like, what money would the Wild send to Buffalo? They're not going to get Jack Eichel. I think that That's type a, dream is is dead, at yeah. least for the time being. Maybe it gets revisited way down the road. I think but, he's going west now. Yeah, Calgary. Well, maybe Los Angeles. The Ducks, you think Los Angeles? King. Yeah. Um, I don't know about the Kings because they they uh, certainly tied up some salary cap space. But I could see the Ducks. I could see the Flames. But I I think the Wild was very involved as far as being intrigued by it and moved on a while ago. Like, yeah, I, I don't think, think they've gone back to Buffalo and been like, oh, yeah, let's get back in. So I think that's accurate. The Tampa Bay Rays are done. So there's been Twins fans asking me, what about the Twins welcoming back uh, Nelson Cruz? I, I would not bet on that. Well, you know, we that's don't the need, short answer. You don't need They that. need to create DHF bats for others. Correct. There's no reason to bring back Nelly Cruz. He's not coming back at, you know, four million or five million. So you we need to invest, you know, minimum of eight, nine, ten million. We need to move on in him. Dukes. And I I my sense is the twins are are in that boat. That that it's been one heck of a run. They've thoroughly enjoyed having Nelly here, mm-hmm. but that there is not interest in bringing back Nelson Cruz okay. this winter. Let me add also, as we're now the home of of the University of St. Thomas. Uh, athletics, uh, Courtney Brown Jr., good basketball player. He's still working through some paperwork issues. He can practice with the team, uh, but he's not quite eligible yet. So you think about it's less than a month. It's what, November 9th, St. Thomas opens up at Chicago State, their first Division One men's hoops game, less than a month away. Uh, there's still some work to be done to get Courtney Brown Jr. on the court. His younger brother, Kendall Brown, Mm-hmm. is a first-round NBA pick. He's down at Baylor. Uh, he played at Eastridge High School for a little bit before going to Sunrise Christian Academy in Kansas. Courtney Brown Jr. is from Eastridge. He just transferred into St. Thomas. He played his first couple years in college at UW-Milwaukee. It was like their seventh or eighth man last year. So he played Division One last year. 
Yeah. I mean, that's the hurdle for Tower. I was over at a, a Tommy's practice last week. At least for this year, after Jarvis Omersa, the former Gopher, opted out because you need to you need to be vaccinated, right? If you're a if you're a St. Thomas student, the COVID vaccine is mandatory. Jarvis Omersa didn't want the vaccine, I'm told, so he opted out of playing for the Tommies. But he had committed to playing for the Tommies, and at one point they had Javon Hadley, former player from Matamidi and Creighton Durham Hall. He went out east. I think it was UMass or some school out east. Had a little bit of Division One experience. Had initially committed to St. Thomas, then changed his mind. I believe he's now at a at a JUCO. So like four or five months ago, you know, it looked like you know maybe Johnny Tower would have some Division One experience for this year's roster. Have a chance to win a few games. Now they still might win a few games. But in terms of guys that that have legit Division One playing time, yep, it is like they have a kid from Siena that transferred, and he was like their twelfth man. They have a kid from Northwestern that was like their thirteenth man. So maybe those kids got in in garbage time. But literally, Johnny Tower really doesn't have a player this second that has like any Division One experience. So it would be very helpful if they can find a way to get Courtney Brown Jr. eligible. Awesome stuff, man. Take care, and we will talk to you. I, I believe you're you're gone for a week or so, so we'll talk to you in a couple weeks after the Vikings bye, Dukes. You got it. Thanks, Judd. Happy NHL opening night to you and Declan. Enjoy. Right. Go Kraken. That. Right. Go Kraken. Okay. Bye. Thanks, dude. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.